Hello there. Um, today I'm joined again, once again with my colleague Avichai. Avichai and I will be going through a series of different aspects of cybersecurity. Today we'll be talking a little bit about remote access and what that means and some possible some ideas to consider. But before we get into that, I want to thank everybody for sharing your comments and suggestions. If you want to reach out to us, feel free to reach out to us by email at podcast at blueoceansecurity.com. That's B-L-U-OceanSecurity.com. We look forward to hearing from you. So, Avihai, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. As you know, everybody is experiencing various aspects of needing to work remotely, mainly due to the whole COVID-19 situation. This was true also beforehand, but now it's really everybody has to deal with it. And from a security aspect, this really opens additional cyber security threats for everybody. And specifically on a security side, we have the aspect of people simply working remotely, either from their home or other location. And there's also the aspect of managing a security system, either through like a security operation center or some sort of setup like that, um, operating remotely as well. So Avichai came up with um, some ideas and we're gonna go through those. So Avichai, why don't yeah. you give us, a rig- give us a rundown first? Great. So yeah, we've been seeing also from, uh, from our side as a company, clients talking to us about this whole uh, aspect of remote access to security services specifically, uh, but also in general, because of the COVID, uh, everybody needs to work from home. Everybody needs to access uh, services or uh, software applications that are internally in your organization. Mm-hmm. And really the question is, is what, what measurements could uh, the IT security departments create and what awareness do we also have to have uh, as an end user, as someone that's accessing into that domain? Right. Um, so, we'll, so we'll go through a few points talking about like some technical aspects of uh, uh, what, what we should pay attention to. And then we'll talk a little bit more about uh, how the end user should be aware of what he's doing and if something's suspicious, how to handle that. But before we jump into that, some security professionals or security directors or managers out there might ask, well, why, how is this relevant to me? They may be right. You know, some organizations, this is primarily or really the sole responsibility of the IT department, or they may even have a dedicated cybersecurity department. But I wanted to argue that even if you don't have direct responsibility over these things, it's good for you to be aware and to be knowledgeable. And furthermore, I would recommend that you reach out to your colleagues in the IT department or in the cyber department and see how you can help and how you can be part of the overall security solution, the risk management solution, and not just say it's their responsibility. So with that in mind, what's the, what's the, let's go through the list of what you recommend. Yeah, so I, th- I think first, uh, if I could add that it's, a, it's an interesting point that you mentioned here, but uh, I think it's very similar to if, let's say, I'm driving a car and my role as the driver, I care only about getting from point A to point B. Uh, but if I hear a noise from the engine, I definitely should uh, take care of it or try and take care of it. Or if I have a flat tire to stop at the side and fix it. And I think it's the same thing uh, regarding the remote connection. All departments are now connecting into the domain, into the company's uh, assets. And it's very important to be proactive and to be responsible of what you're doing. So, so I think it's, it's more about how your company would be successful and not be compromised with these security threats. Right. On top of all that, we know that 
the um, vulnerability is only, you know, it, it's on, it's based on the weakest link in the organization. So all you need is one person that doesn't really know what happens and presses the wrong, the wrong link and you're, you're exposed. So exactly. just from an awareness perspective, the strongest organizations from terms of security perspective are those that every colleague, every team member, every employee in a company is aware of security threats and helps to secure the business. Okay, so that was a long uh, yeah. preach there. What's the so, first so thing I you'd recommend? That, that, so, so I think that's the, the first point is exactly that. Um, so understanding that uh, from the point of understanding that there could be that each one of us can make a mistake and click on something that won't be uh, 100% uh, kosher, as we say here in Israel, um, then there is something called multi-factor authentication or others know as MFA. Now, this mechanism has been created to prevent a identity theft. So uh, basically the logic says that if I am the end user and I'm accessing using my uh, account, my domain account, for example, avichaya blueoceansecurity.com, then it means that I'm using that as the login access credentials. MFA comes and says, okay, let's add another layer to that to make sure that you are the person that is requesting that login. So how could we do that? By taking a different device or a different uh, way of access that you already have set up and leverage that to make sure that you are the same person because the odds of, uh, of a cyber attacker or something like that, a hacker to take your credentials, uh, the odds of him having two different credentials versus one is very different. So. Uh, let's say if I'm logging into our organization, I'll go to through types of authentications. One would be using my email and one would be using by getting an SMS verification code to my phone number. So by doing that, I'm basically the, the company feels more assured that it's really me accessing the system. That is something that I think all of us have been experiencing, especially with the movement to remote access. So, so it could be also sometimes a little bit of a trouble for us as end users using that way of authentication. But it's very important to understand that all our organizations need that kind of authentication, especially now we just heard about uh, Twitter has been hacked and all these KOLs or celebrities, they took their accounts, they accessed their accounts. So you never know. You never know how uh, a hacker could gain your access credentials. That's why it's very important to keep it on the multi-factor authentication and resetting your passport maybe every six months or so. Another okay. point when, uh, when, and this is more for the, let's say the IT departments on their side of design and, and planning is to eliminate shared accounts. So domains like enterprise level businesses usually have uh, many accounts that uh, are being used by cross-department people. So, for example, a, some kind of general user like finance or a general user for HR, and uh, people are using the same user account to access services. This creates a few things. One, it, it's a key account that if a hacker has access to, he'll be able to access many components in the network. Two is that we're not able to really monitor who's doing what in those, in those systems because everybody's using the same identity. So if we take that and we reduce the amount of shared accounts, basically creating a more secure type of remote connection. Now, another element for the IT department itself is to understand 
in specifics and details regarding the inbound bandwidth. So in our network, we're receiving information. If I'm now, let's say I'm from my home trying to access Blue Ocean Security Services. So basically Blue Ocean Security Domain is receiving now a request to communicate with me. Now that request is using a specific protocol and specific port. And we wanna be able to manage exactly what traffic is coming in and what we don't wanna allow to come in. So we're able to know that if it's a traffic that's more traditional for end users versus a bot, for example, then I would be able to block it by using firewall rules. Okay. So th those are really yeah. in the IT. Those are really part of the IT um, department and how they're, how they're setting up their firewalls. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so that's a point for the IT. But on the other hand, if any end user uh, feels that there's some type of advice for the IT, just like we know how to say when something doesn't work, then also here we could say we could bring up some points to the IT about our systems. So if we take, for example, the security applications, video access, operation center, and centra. So when we're doing remote access to these applications, the IT department and then they don't know exactly, unless they really got into it, dive deep into it, they don't know exactly what's the traffic that's required for those applications. Okay. Um, so that's so where that's where the security manager comes in and really needs to be more responsible on presenting and sharing what's the exact structure. Okay. So we all know there is definitely, um, when you set up a new system, we need to go to the IT department and um, request specific reports, et cetera. But what you're saying here is that there really needs to be more dialogue. There should be more dialogue in terms of explaining what type of traffic is going to be used, what's the nature of that traffic, where is it coming from, and so that IT can basically do a better, they can do better at their jobs as well. Right. And that's, and that's one of our beliefs as Blue Ocean as well in general, is that the more uh, you create awareness in your organization, and we'll talk in the end a little bit about training and awareness, then there's more cooperation between departments regarding the cyber aspect. And, uh, and that way, the organization is much more secure. So if we talk about uh, another point is the, is the remote access tunnel itself, right? So, so there's a few ways for us to connect an application. And, and there's ways to create it in a secure way. So for example, if I want to connect to a specific server within my uh, domain and I need to access it in the operating system level or I need to, I need to manage something in the setups, uh, if we take access control, for example, I need to access the, um, the Nanel server. Um, so, so we have some uh, protocols of communication and one of them could be some kind of remote desktop application it could be a remote desktop using a VPN tunnel that creates it encrypted and more secure. And you could also create some kind of a direct application access services where I go into the application on the website on HTTPS and I put in my credentials and use it sort of as the software and not, locking, not accessing the operating system level. Now, Avihai, how is, that, how is a VPN different from a direct application access? Or should they both use, so, be used in conjunction to, to have maximum security? Right. So, so let's say that um, VPN is one layer uh, lower. If we talk about the, there's seven layers of, of, com of network communication, the OSI model. And we could see there that the VPN is coming in the layer three, layer four, and where direct application access is already layer four, layer five. So you could say that a VPN connection would be more secure 
in the in the infrastructure, but it means that you need to have access that's more than the application level. So for example, if I'm the domain manager and that we have this application here, the question I would ask you as my client would be, uh, what type of interaction do you need with the system? Based on that interaction, I would decide if you need to access it through VPN or you need to get an access through HTTPS and that's enough. So through the browser, it's like accessing the application level directly. But if we do a VPN connection, it might be accessing an environment or um, other components that support that application. Okay. But what about, so you have one aspect where a person is maybe working from their home and linking to either corporate software, like an ERP system or some sort of application. And I assume that would fall under direct application access. But what happens if, um, if they're working at a Starbucks or they're at a some lounge, some somewhere in a more public space, wouldn't it be smart to have a VPN as well? Right. So let's say I would recommend everyone to use a VPN at any time that you're in a public network in general. It doesn't matter if it's my organization or just to go online. For and, personal, uh, for personal for consumption. Personal use. Yeah, I would always recommend to use a VPN uh, because it makes your uh, transportation and then in the internet more secure and encrypted and that way um, lower your risks online let's say but also the direct applications have encryptions that allow you to feel secure so for example if you talk about mobile access right and that's also something that especially in security we see now a lot so you could have access control on your mobile you can manage the access control you could, you could view videos you could see analytics there's so many things you could do through your mobile and basically the type of connection on the back end is a connection of an encrypted connection between the back end and the front end. So it's on the application level. Mm. And that gives us a secure connection, basically. So it means we don't have to have the VPN always for any type of access, but I would recommend it in any public network use of a, a VPN. Yeah. Okay. And just so everybody is knowledgeable of this fact, if you stay at a hotel and you're accessing internet from your hotel room, that is also considered a public network, not just a Starbucks For or sure. a cafe. Okay, that's point. great stuff. So all companies, large companies usually have some sort of VPN already. Smaller companies don't always do that, but we highly recommend VPN use at a, at a personal level and for small and large companies as well. Okay, then you, talk, you want to talk also about permissions, right? Yeah, so, so another point here is that once we already access the system, what permissions do we have? So are these like, are these like passwords? Sorry, are you referring to like passwords? Oh, is that what that means? No, so I mean after you, you, you logged in the system, so you put in your username and password, the system said, okay, you're, you're able to log in, you consume our services. Now what are you exposed to? Are you so, able to see all the, the, the information under that application or are you able to see literally what your role in the company requires you to see? Okay. Okay. So if we take, for example, an ERP system where uh, you have several of departments, if it's HR, finance, if it's sales, if it's uh, support, everybody's involved in that system. You don't want to uh, have credentials that are stronger and cross departments. Once you have that kind of key kind of user, that is uh, maybe a target for a hacker to, to gain control on that user right. that has a lot of permission. So you, know, so you want to, yeah. By the way, this is also relevant if you want to be compliant with uh, GDPR aspects, this is also comes into play. Like who has access to what kind of information. 
So permissions right. is not just about security and hacking and stuff like that. It's also about compliance in some cases. Yeah. So I think this is a uh, really our connection to uh, one of our future podcasts that we're going to talk about the GDPR and we're going to talk about how important it is uh, to set up your whole application in a way that is, let's say, moderating between different uh, users. Now, before we go on, but I don't know if this is related to permissions, maybe it's more about passwords. I wanted to ask you, what is your thoughts about these type of password management softwares? You know um, what I'm talking about? So th those that yeah. don't know what I'm talking about, these are like a, pass, a, a software you put on your computer, an application you put on your computer and your phone, and it basically generates random passwords for you and saves them for you so that you always have strong passwords that you don't have to memorize. And I know that there's also corporate accounts as well. I don't have direct uh, experience with this, but I wanted to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah. So you also have a type of service like that, that what it does is that you have one username and password for that application. And inside that, you basically see a, a notebook of all your uh, username and passwords. So yeah, on one hand, Imagine, imagine a, a honeypot, right? So that's, that's the honey. Uh, that's exactly it. If the hacker is able to access that kind of, kind of application, he has all your credentials. So that's a risk on one hand. But on the other hand, these applications are really uh, aware of that and that's what they do. So the access to that application uh, will always, the credentials, they will always require you to change the password. And um, they'll always be more aware of access from different devices, for example. So there are definitely advantages to that. I would say that it's much better than having a note, notepad on your uh, computer or having a note on your uh, phone or say we used to save it right. under our contacts, you know, all the passwords under your contacts and your phone. So these are things that are are big no-nos these days, right? We don't or want to or you just have a very simple, one very simple password that you use for all your applications. That's even even more so. so most of us can't remember passwords for all the 50 devices or 50 applications that we have to log into. It's crazy. Right. So imagine a scenario where a hacker got uh, your identity for uh, one, of an one of the applications that you subscribe, for example, Wall Street Journal or, or something like that. And that password is the same password to access your bank account information. Right. Well, so, there you go. So, so the game, game, over. The game is over. Right. Well, that's so. why the, the multi-factor thing comes in play and, and almost everything today. I mean, for crying out loud, even the, the mobile bike, bikes in, China, in Shanghai, I have to, you have to have a multi-factor <laughs> authentication sometimes. It's driving me nuts. Okay. Yeah. So um, the final thing you want to touch on is, is sort of training and awareness, right? And which is a really a, um, where all the glue comes together with everything. So. What would you like to say about that? Yeah. So I don't know. Each one should ask themselves how much their organization has been transmit, tran transferring towards this understanding that everybody needs to be aware of what's, what is cyber, what does it mean, and how to manage it. And the more that companies invest in explaining to the employees, to the company members about the threats and what's happening and things that could happen, like the Twitter hack that just happened this weekend is, a, is an amazing example. You know, Twitter is a huge global company with cybersecurity is, should be the top of the top. They've been, been dealing with, um, with different penetration testings and they've been doing all their best practices, I'm sure, but they've still, they have vulnerabilities. And that's how it is in, in computer systems. They all have vulnerabilities. And once a hacker gets that control, we're done. So by having more awareness and by creating the right to, uh, barriers to prevent from the hacker, uh, then, then we're protecting ourselves in a better way. And if the, in the end, if one of the company people will identify something suspicious, 
then it could be a way to identify a cyber cybersecurity attack or a vulnerability. So yeah, training is is key to any organization to be more cyber aware. Or well, I think I, it seems to me from my experience working in the security business for 20 odd years, most companies do not do enough in around training or awareness at, at any level. And yeah, so, so I want to say that, more. that uh, us in uh, Blue Ocean, so we definitely um, attend to to push this to our clients, to push this messaging as well. To our people, we do on a quarterly basic, uh, we do cyber updates and we do trainings. And even people that are not technology people, we teach them about the cyber and what's going on in that landscape. Also the clients that we meet with, we always try and look at when we do the designs to look at the cyber element and provide the best information we can. Just for everybody out there, we plan to have an open public uh, webinar, uh, hopefully in August, that will we'll go through some basic cyber threats and how do you identify those and, and what do they mean, just to help to improve some general awareness and where those threats might be coming from. So uh, Avihai, finally, I want to ask you, do you know of any software or service that can help companies identify possible incidents um, or, or alert the company? So if any of these things happen, say somebody gains access or whatever, how other than trying to find out through some obvious ways, are there any, is there any way that can, like a sort of like an alarm system, but for on the cyber side? Yeah, so what we talked about so far is prevention mechanisms, meaning how do we set up our domain in a way that we lower the risk? The detection aspect is a whole different topic. That's something that we could, uh, we could set up a podcast right around, just around that. Okay. Um, but basically there are, there are tools that are connected more to the firewall side, let's say, that are responsible of identifying any suspicious transportation happening in my domain. Uh, yeah, it's a, whole, it's a whole different challenge to identify. And after you identify, basically after you detect it, how, how do you solve it? How do you well? deal with so it? That's, yeah. also, that's another point, uh, how to deal with cybersecurity breaches. Okay, well, that's, look, that's great stuff. I, uh, I think it'll be helpful for everybody to uh, improve their awareness about cyber uh, threats and remote access. Obviously today we just touched on the very basics and hopefully we'll go deeper into some of these aspects in some future cast. So once again, thank you, Avihai. For everybody out there, stay tuned for possible new casts coming out. We will be going through a series of different aspects around cyber threats and hopefully we'll have some interesting guests on the show as well. Also, please stay tuned for a potential webinar coming out in August, and we'll let you, uh, we'll give some contact information about that as well, so you can register for that. It'll be in English, and uh, hopefully we'll have a Chinese version as well, if you prefer Chinese. And once again, I wanted to remind everybody to reach out to us at podcast at blueoceansecurity.com if you have any comments, feedback, or you just want to say hi. Okay there. So, Avihai, I guess um, until next time, thank you again, and stay safe. Thank you. You too.